Who's tired? Lord Jesus, help us. <laughs> I'm super stoked. The box. Uh, on, on, please lift your hand up. You know, if you're tired, we will pray for you afterwards. Um, but you know, it's all. <laughs> but um, yo, what an incredible, just incredible time we in. Um, just uh, what God has been doing in us and through us. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited this morning to to share something. Just what the Lord has laid on my heart actually a couple of weeks ago for us as a congregation and for us as, um, just as we are busy building and knitting together, just that word coming through this morning of those magnets, you know, it's such a beautiful picture of like, like actually, you know, if you look, if you think about it, we are, we are one, we, we are family. And, uh, this morning, it's something I'm going to share about is just, what does it look like to be a family? What does it look like for us? to be a family. And, and I want to quickly just connect the dots. You know, often, often in life in church, what happens is there's like this direction the Lord takes us. And then all of a sudden it might feel like the Lord's taking us this way. And then it might feel like God's going, no, go this way. And actually, you know that God, the Bible says that he is building his house. And this is his house. Like we as elders, we come together, we really go, Lord, what are you wanting to do in and through our lives. And as we look at the last couple of months even, you know, go before, before 412, before this is church, what has God been doing in us? Have you guys been sensing there's a, there's a knitting together? There's a talking about let's worship God together. Let's come together. Um, then it was 412 where we had so much apostolic input looking at the nations. We had guys going to the nations had guys going out from us. Hannes is still in the nations. He, he's probably preaching right now in a church in Adelaide, which is Bloemfontein at the beach. That's literally what Adelaide is like. I've been there. It's flat, and the ocean is flat. I said to him, I brew it's Bloemfontein at the beach. He, the first thing when he landed, he's like, you weren't lying. I'm like, no, I wasn't lying. It's literally flat, you know. But uh, he's in the nations. Guys coming back. Lives being changed. Yes, Cliffy, life is never be the same again. Never be the same again. And that's, God is busy taking us on a journey. We've been seeing deliverances, people being set free, the love of God being stirred up in our hearts. God is building his church. And Lord, we want to partner with you, God. We want to be right where you are. And this morning, as we come together, you know, the last, like, look at what Dylan preached last week about forgiving one another and living in that forgiveness and so that our prayers might be heard. And there's a sense that God is stirring prayer within us again. Uh, you know, I've got this thing about an old-fashioned prayer meeting. Who's been in an old-fashioned prayer meeting? Auntie Margaret has definitely led a couple of those. <laughs> old-fashioned, coming together and praying. While that is happening, God's stirring our hearts for this unity thing. Not that we're not in unison. We're not, there's not disunity within us. But God's going more. How can we be more to reflect him in everything that we do? So this morning, I want to look at a scripture that is two lines. And oh my goodness, these two lines wrecked me the last week. As I've been meditating on it and pondering on it. And I want to take us through this scripture. And there's three things I want to do this morning. I want to look at the what. What is God saying? What is the scripture about? 
the why. You know, we often need to ask ourselves, why do we do certain things? Eh? As Christians, like I know we are sheep and sheep just follow. I'm a sheep, I follow. But we've got to stop and go, why, God? Why are you asking this of us? And then the how. How do we do this? So, let's look at the scripture. <laughs> so let's start. Um, Romans 12 verse 10, if you can put that up. Very short little scripture in the book of Romans. And uh, it starts and it says, okay, can you put on the ESV? That be devoted is actually very important, but it just says a little bit different in the ESV. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. That's what it says in the ESV. Outdo one another in honor. Can you guys hear? Is that all right? There we go. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Those two scriptures, or those two sentences in one scripture, know that that's for us. That's us, one another. We are the one another. That's us. We are the church. We are the one another. Love one another with brotherly affection. And we want to look at what is that? What is love one another with brotherly What does it look like to, today? Why is it so important? And then how do we do that? Is that just like there's a scripture that says, greet one another with a holy kiss. So next week, maybe we come together. And if you are single, make sure it's a holy kiss. Okay? <laughs> but there's that affection. It's something different, you know? Outdo one another in honor. What does that look like? What is outdo? What is honor? And how do we honor one another? Interesting questions. So the what, the why, and the how. Do you just want to drop this? Do you know that we need to honor everybody? You go, no, 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 no. What about the, those that are dishonorable? What about those that don't deserve honor? What about, even in church, the weirdos? How do I love them? I'm a weirdo. You know? How do I love those guys that are a little bit different than me? You know, he's, for whatever reason. How do I do that? And this morning, we're going to dive into this. You guys okay? You awake? I'm going to try and keep you awake. I'm going to try and be as short as possible. Okay? But here we go. Hold on. Okay. So, quickly, 1 Peter 2 verse 17, it says, Show proper respect or honor to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. You know who that king was that he spoke about there? It was Nero. The king that killed Every little baby under two years old. Jesus saying, Paul saying, honor the king. So honor isn't when we feel like it, if someone deserves it. You know, we've got this mindset like, no, no, you've got to deserve my honor. The Bible actually doesn't teach that. We honor. We love. We respect. We give. And we're going to dive into that. Let me not run ahead of myself. Cool. So firstly, What? What, let's ask this question about what is brotherly affection? Love one another with brotherly affection. 
So, quickly, that word love and brotherly affection, I'm just going to dive into those words so we understand it. This word love in this context, you know that it's only mentioned once in the Bible, and it's right here. And it's the word in the Greek is philistrogos. I'm not a Greek. I'm not anywhere. Well, I don't know. I'm definitely not Greek. Um, uh, yeah. Philistrogos. That's what it is. It's only mentioned one. And this is what it means. This is what it means. Devoted love shown by family members. Special affection shared between members of God's family. People born again. Divine adoption. And serving the same father. That's what that word means. It means a love that's for my, for my brothers and my sisters. It's, it's a word that's never used in the Bible at all. Except here, Romans 12 verse 10. It means a devotion to one another. It means, means that we love one another. So who's got brothers and sisters? Okay. Do they drive you crazy? Yes. Yeah. Do you squabble? Yes. If someone comes and says something ugly about your brother and sister, what are you going to do? Exactly. It's a different kind of love. Hey? Yeah, you'll see how that love comes through. And that's what this word love in the Bible means. The same as brotherly affection. It's exactly what it says. Brotherly affection. So we might have to dive into what is this affection? You know, affection involves like touch. It's not like, hey, bro. It's, hey, bro. And like a hug and a getting together. There's affection. There's a, there's a different connotation to this word affection. And if you look at the Greek, the Greek of this word means, or it's, it is, Philadelphia. So everybody can say that because there's a town, Philadelphia. There's a song about Philadelphia. But this word Philadelphia, it means the love of Christian brothers and sisters. It's, it, that's what the word means, the love we have for one another. So immediately when you think about just what I've said now, what these two words mean, you go, there's no ways I can do that. Who, who's, who's had that thought? Okay, two or three of us. If you really are, okay, maybe after my preach, I'll ask you again, who's had that thought, like, how do we love one another? Because we need to look and, like, you know, it's, we can't. In ourselves, we can't. Who wants to love me? My wife struggles loving me. No, I'm joking. She does love me. <laughs> but, you know, how do we love one another? Someone that, yes, we're in the same family. But God, they're different. We heard Andre say, they're different. Guys over there, they're different. But you know that they are brothers and our sisters in Christ? And we need to love them with a brotherly affection. And we're going to look at, at what that is. And just going on to the second part of that. What is showing honor? Your. Showing honor. You know that you can show honor to someone that you're not really affectionate to? Thought about that? Like, I can honor Cyril Ramaphosa right now as our leader of our country. I can honor him. He's, whether I think he's doing a good job or not, I honor him. 
He's been placed in a leadership position. And when I meet him, so who of you have met a president or someone like that? And what was that like? Wasn't there a bit of a nervousness? A bit of a like a, whew, this is someone important. Am I right? No matter who it is, if you had to meet someone of, that is actually in a place of stature, there's that, you're not going to come in your fellies and your, you know, you're going to dress up nicely because you want to honor that person. I've got no affection for him, but I want to honor him. So here's the, the, the careful thing. We can't now go, okay, I'm just going to love everybody, but I'm not the honor guy. I'm the affection guy. I love hugs. I love those holy kisses, you know? And then someone might go like, listen, I'm not that. I'm not the huggy, giving a kiss, you know. Okay, let me stop saying giving a kiss because I don't want to. Uh, let's take with hugs, okay? That affection. You got affection, has got emotion to it. Am I right? There's emotion involved. It's both. It's honor and affection. Brotherly love. Brotherly affection. And it's closer to our hearts than we actually realize. And how's this? Outdo. How's that word outdo? That's like healthy competition. Very healthy. Last night, we outdid the All Blacks. Am I right? We outdid them. It was very close, but we outdid them. <laughs> but that's, there's a healthy outdo in the church. How can I outdo James by showing Ivan honor? Imagine our marriages were like that. Oh, my goodness. Imagine if I take 30 seconds in a day and go, how do I outdo my wife today in honoring her? How do I out? Because she's thinking, how do I outdo my husband? How do I love him beyond everything? How do I honor him in everything that he does? How do I honor my wife? Can you imagine what our marriages would look like? Can you imagine what our relationships would look like? If we want to outdo each other the whole time in honoring and love, by this they will know, which I will get to. So here's a, just the meaning that I, that I felt like, what does that mean to outdo one another in honor? It's honoring someone is treating them with your words and your deeds in such a way as they appear worthy of your service. In your words and your deeds, you, you act towards them in such a way that they are worthy of everything. So Sebastian's not here right now. He's in kids' church. You know that, let's not say first choice. I just said it. But um, he, he was going, I'm going to the Philippines. And then his passport wasn't there. He, could have, he couldn't get his passport in time. Then the Lord, I think because the Lord wanted Cliffy to go in any case. But yes, Sebastian, he could have gone and went like, yeah, God, how can you not let me go? How can you not let me do this thing? 
And you know what he did? As Hannes and them went to the airport, I just heard the story this morning. Hannes left his wallet at home, which is not a good thing when you go on an international trip. Sebastian got in his car, went to fetch Hannes's wallet, and drove all the way there to give it to him. Can you imagine? Outdo one another in honor. So he's not here. You can, Lord, give him, give him his treasure in heaven. Don't let it, this be it. But how's that? It's not about me. Brotherly affection. Outdo one another. You know that honor is bestowed. Who knows what the word bestowed means? I'm Afrikaans, really. I don't have a clue what bestowed means. Like, what? It sounds like something you can eat, you know? But uh, <laughs> like a bistro. I don't know, bestow. But you know what it means? It's, it's freely given. You know that honor is freely given. You bestow honor. And that's what I said earlier. It's not that we, I've got to do something to get your honor. Or you've got to do something to get honor. We do have that as well. We do honor people when they achieve certain things in whatever. Like the Springboks right now, they've achieved something. 95% of the world doesn't even know what they achieved. The 5% that do know is going to honor them for what they've achieved. Just wanted to bring the balance there. I shouted very loud for them last night. But, but you know what I mean? We do bestow honor. But in this, in us, I'm not waiting for someone to do something so I can honor them. I honor because of who they are in Jesus. They're my brother. They're my sister. We give. We don't always wait. Oh, you don't deserve it. Because who deserves anything? We deserve nothing. You know what we deserve? Eternal damnation in a fiery pit of hell. If it wasn't for Jesus, we honor one another. In uh, 1 Timothy 6 verse 1, just wanted to just show you that honor is given. It's not deserved. All you are under a yoke of slavery. Paul writes, he says, you should consider your master worthy of all respect or worthy of all honor so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered, even if he's a slave driver. Honor him. Honor him. Your bosses, honor them. Honor them. <laughs> Amen. If you've got someone working for you in church, that was it. In 2 Corinthians, there's this picture of, you know, we are body. And you know that all the body is not the same. You know, like you can see this physique, and yes, round is also a figure, so, so um, you know. But there's beautiful pieces in the body, and then there's pieces that we don't even see. You know, think about your body quickly. What don't you see? What don't you want to see? You know, those are the dishonorable sides of the body that we think is like, mm, that's not, you know, we are a body. And in 2 Corinthians, how's this? 2 Corinthians 12 verse 23, Paul writes and he says, and the parts that we think are less honorable, who thought of less honorable parts quickly in the body? 
Okay? We treat with special honor. God's ways are not our ways. We think the guy up front, the worship leader, sorry, worship leaders, the preachers, those, they are the honorable guys. They're the guys that's got, you know, who I think is more important. Who does Jesus think is more important? Those people making green pancakes, serving someone. If that was you this morning, yeah. But it is. It's upside down. Because our culture has shaped and formed us in such a way that we look at people and we go, he doesn't deserve the honor. She doesn't. But I should. Because I'm whatever. Interesting. So we've got to be very careful. And I want to, I want to warn us this morning. As Malpos grows... And as God expands our territory in this area and people come into our church, beware of partiality. Beware of someone coming in that looks different, that smells different, that acts different. Do not show partiality. If someone comes in with a big ring or he drives a Hummer, if that's a cool car. I don't even know what a cool car is nowadays. But uh, whatever, you know. Do we go, hey, sir, come sit in front here. And hey, don't you just want to stay at the back thing? It's like you're sort of causing a bit of disruption. What have we done? Hey? For us, those who we might seem to be not worthy of honor. Think of them and give them double honor. And I just want to throw out a couple of things here. I'm not going to read that scripture. If you want to go look at it in James 2 verse 1 to 6. James actually speaks about that. He says, beware. Beware of that. Beware of showing partial. Here's some of the stuff. Race. Big thing in our country. Big thing. Socioeconomics. Someone's richer, poorer. How do we treat them? The same? Do we invite them for a lunch or a supper? Or do we want to invite the rich guy for a lunch or a supper? What is our motives? Where does our heart drift to? Education. The different sexes. Who I only connect with men. I only connect with ladies. Do we distinguish between that? Age. Dressing. Weight. Personalities. I can't connect with those crazy people that always jump up and down. Why not? Let's not distinguish, but let's love one another. You all still okay? Okay, second one. The why. Why do we do this? Why is this so important for God? Can you see that it's, almost, that it's a command of God? Do you see that in, in the scripture? God's actually commanded. You know that God commanded this more than 30 times in the Bible. And part of that is like, if there's two laws that you need to always do, um, follow, it's like love the Lord with all your God, uh, with all your God, love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and body, and soul. And the second, which is as important as that, Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus even went so far to say, if you forget everything else and you just do those two, you've done well. 
So we've got to love our neighbors. And what does that look like? So let's, let's just look at just a couple of whys. Why is this so important for God? And I want to bring us together into the how. Okay, I'm going to race. Just looked at the time. Okay, so number one. How do we love affectionately? This morning I had the word efficiently in my brain the whole time. So it's not love efficiently. It's love effectively. Uh, affectionately. That was the other word. Effective. Love affectionately. And choose to honor rather than be honored. How do we do that? And why is that important? Okay. Firstly, it shows the reality of our new birth in Christ. Do you know that that's a reality? Have you given your heart to the Lord? Have you said, Lord, I'm yours. I've given my heart to you. The Bible speaks about we are then adopted into the family of God. God puts the lonely into family. And we are then his children. And the reality is, if we then his children, we love one another. And here's some scriptures to back this up. 1 1 John 3 verse 11. It says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. And in verse 14 it goes, We know that we have passed out of death into life. Is that what we've done? We were dead in our trespasses. We were in the kingdom of, of Satan. Dead. And we stepped into the kingdom of light. Life. So we know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. How crazy is that? That's how you know. Look at the person next to you quickly. If it's your husband and wife, it's a bit easier. But if there's a love for that person that's unexplainable, you realize that you're different. You belong to God. That's your brother. That's your sister. You are together. And that's how you know if we've got love for one another. That we are out of darkness and into light. By this we know in verse 16 to 18. By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for each other. Okay, we're going to get into that just now. Because what does that mean? Okay, but just again, the why. Why is this so important? It's because that we realize we are in a family. I'm in a family. My children are in a family. I've got a daily go, you've got to love your brother. There's something in them that they know. They love one another. But I've got to train them the whole time. You know, and that's the same with us as a family. We train each other to love one another. 1 John 5 verse 11, it says, And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So just one step back, the Bible even then goes apart back and says, if you do not have love for your brothers, you are still in darkness. You are still living in death. That's crazy to think. In that 1 John 3 verse 14, it says, whoever does not love abides in death. Have you struggled to love someone in church? Have you abided in death? Lord, help us. How do we love our brothers and our sisters? With affection. How do we outdo each other? 
in showing honor. I'm going to skip that part. The second one, two, on the why. Because it strengthens and confirms the faith of those who we love affectionately and shows honor. Who of you have experienced that? Who of you have experienced coming into church, feeling awkward, feeling like I don't belong here, this is weird, they do strange things, and then someone comes and goes, hey, don't you want to come for a supper? Don't you want to come with, we're going on a surf trip or whatever it is? We're going to bake some biscuits for the ladies. I don't know if ladies bake biscuits, but whatever it is. Who've experienced, have you experienced that? Yes. And what did they do in your heart? It affirmed something. It's like, hey, I belong here. This is my home. These people are with me. And that's why it's so important for us to do that. Because we are a family. We are born of the same father. We have been adopted into his family. And that's how the family grows. God puts the lonely into family. And we go, Lord, how do we, as a family then, love one another so that people know that they are loved? In, um, and just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quickly go through this. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says, let all things be done for building each other up. In Corinthians, it says that. Whatever you do, whether it's a hymn, a song, whenever you come together, bring these things. But let everything that you do build one another up. In Titus 5, 1 Titus 5, it says, Encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. And honestly, I think we're good at that. We are there to encourage one another, build one another up. We're not just doing it to get a brownie point. It's really going, how do we build one another up? So, And we're going to see as we go on why further. Thirdly, it displays the glory of Christ. You know, even what we sang this morning, God, we give you the highest praise. You deserve it all, God. All glory to you. All honor to you. How does that, how do we do that? What helps with that? Is this brotherly affection for one another and outdoing one another in honor, in showing honor. Because it, isn't that the nature of Jesus? It's totally the nature of Jesus. That's who he is. He came not thinking of himself more highly, the son of God. But what did he do? He came down to earth, made himself a human being. And he took every single sin upon us. He serves us, serves us, washes our feet. That's his nature. That's who he is. So here's an interesting thing that I realized recently. You know, in the second coming, when Jesus, the Bible says Jesus is coming again, and he is coming again, what's your picture of that? Have you got a picture of when Jesus come on a white horse with a sword in his hand, fire in his eyes? The Bible even speaks about the whole earth is going to be full of blood up until like the, the hips of the horses or whatever you want to do. The bri- it's going to be crazy. Jesus is coming again. Trumpet sounds. And yet, how's this scripture where Jesus is teaching to his disciples? And this shows how much this is honoring us and how he wants to serve us. And I'm just going to go back. Luke, the scripture in Luke 12 verse 37. This is Jesus at his second coming. He says, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. So Jesus said, there are servants 
that are out there, they've got their oil lamps full, they're watching for the master, he's coming again, he's coming again, they're ready for his coming. Jesus says, it'll be good for those guys. When he comes again and Jesus finds them, and because this is what he's going to be doing at the second coming, it says, I tell you the truth, he, Jesus, will dress himself to serve. He's going to dress himself to serve. He will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. That's our king. That's our Lord. Jesus' nature, everything inside of him goes, how do I serve you? How do I come low? How do I honor you? How do I give you everything you need? That's him. And if we are his, if we abide in him, that's our posture. Lord, how do I come low? How do I serve those that are in this church? God, that's not about me, Lord. I'd rather let them have honor than what I've got any honor. I want to stay low, God. Getting honor means nothing. But Lord, let them have the honor. How do I serve them, God? It's the nature of Christ. That's why we do it. It's in us. It becomes our DNA. It becomes who we are. The fourth one. And this is quite an important one. In talking about the coming of Jesus again, this is what will happen when we live this way. When we live like this, the Bible actually says that it will establish our hearts blameless before God. Quickly turn to 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12 to 13. I just want to read this to, just for us. Um, yes. So... The second portion, may the Lord make your love increase. Okay. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. So may God do it. May God make your love increase for one another. And I've prayed that. Lord, help me to love more. Help me to love and to increase the love that you have for other people. So that, in verse 13, may he strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father. That's what it does. When we are living like this, when we are together and we go, how do we love one another? God makes our hearts blameless. That word blameless, in the Hebrew word, it's tamin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. But it's basically the root there means complete and finished. Spotless, clean, pure. So by serving one another and by giving ourselves to one and showing honor, our hearts became blameless, spotless, pure, clean before our God. He establishes that. So that when he comes again, what does the Bible say? Paul writes, he says, I want to present you as a pure and spotless bride, one with him. That's heavy, eh? Who wants to love your brother and your sister all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah. How do I do out honor? How do I do it? How do I out honor? The last one on the why. It will lure the world to love him. It will lure the world. They will see something that they haven't seen anywhere else. What's that? 
Why are they so different? What makes, why are they like that? What, what do you mean that guy sold his car so that you can pay rent? You know what the Bible says? They sold their possessions. We'll get to that now, the how. What do you, for an unbeliever, for someone that doesn't see this, that doesn't understand this, what is that? That's weird. That's out there. No, it's just my brother and my sister. Quickly think about your family. If your brother and your sister is in need, what would you do? What would you do? Come live by me. Gets real quite quickly, eh? The world looks at that and they go, there's something different about this. How is that even possible? And that scripture that James read this morning, Lord, make them one as we are one. That's the craziest prayer ever. Lord, help me to love my neighbor the way I love myself. Because I really love myself. I want to be comfortable. I want to sleep in a bed tonight. I don't want to go hungry tonight, Lord. There's a guy called Stephen Neal. He wrote a book called History of the Christian Missions. And I just want to read a a little piece about this. He says, What you see is the remarkable growth of the early church in the Roman Empire. He was writing about how the church expanded and grew. He says, What you see is this remarkable growth. The church just grew and grew and grew. And what was owing, what, what was contributing to this? was especially the kind of community they created of loyalty, loving, humbleness, affection to one another, respectfulness, and a sacrificial relationships. The fearful and the fragmented pagan saw it and was drawn into it. You know that there's a fearful and a fragmented community around us. If they look at us, how do we live like they do? How do we live the way they do? Draw them in. It will lure. And that word lure, it's like you're catching fish. What do you use to catch a fish? Little bait, little thing. The way that they see us love one another, they will go, I want to have that. By this they will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said. Your love for one another. So quickly, the how. How do we do this? Are you guys overwhelmed? Are you guys like, oh my goodness, how do I love, hey? Are you? Are you okay? Do you want to stand up quickly? Okay. I'm going to land very soon. How do we do this? Because it is. It, it, we understand the what it is, and we see the why. Do you understand the why? It's important. God's commanded it. How do we love one another affectionately with a brotherly affection? And how do I choose to rather give honor than to receive honor? It's a choice we make inside our hearts. It's a choice. How do we live this out? Firstly, everything we read in the Bible is this. Everything is this. It's the nature of God. That's why we've been saved. 
We become the servant. Jesus said, the greatest will be the servant among all. Everything that we read shapes and molds us. It's the nature of God. And we are trying to become like him. He's our picture. He's our look in the mirror moment and go, Lord, how do I do that? How do I give my life to so everything we read? And all we've got to do is go, Lord, I want to pray. Make me more like you, Jesus. How do I become more like you? And, you know, that, there is that spiritual aspect that we do that. But there's some practical things that I, I just want to throw out to us that, that are I really pray and trust that we do this in this week to come, and not just this week, but going forward. Firstly, preach to yourself. Have you ever preached to yourself? Have you ever, hey? I preach to myself a lot. You're sparrant. Forgive that guy. Come on, whatever it is, you know. Sometimes we're harder on ourselves than what we should be. But preach to yourself. Realize that when you say, like, look at people. And go, the Lord saved them. God died on the cross for them. God died on the cross for that person. Washed him clean. The blood of Jesus. God loves him. God honors him. God lifts him up. Preach to yourself and go, Lord, help me that I can live in that way. That I can honor others and love them affectionately. Look for the evidence of grace. Look for the evidence. Make sure if you're on the other side that you've got evidence of grace. Because this is, there has to be fruit as we become Christians. But look for it. You know, I go like, okay, Lord, what have you done in James's life? Because he was a scoundrel. He was a, how do I love that oak? He's like, the, he stands out above everybody. Sorry, we, we don't discriminate you because of your height. But, <laughs> Lord, there's evidence of grace in his life. We can see it, the way he loves his wife, the way he's in our community. It's easy loving him. It's easy giving him a hug. It's easy honoring him. And so must it be for everyone. So now think of the person in this congregation here that you struggle with the most. Quickly think about that person. You don't have to say a name. Please don't say a name. Quickly think about an evidence of grace in their life. What have they chosen to reflect Jesus? What have they gone, what have they worked on? What have they said, Lord, help me to be more like you? And honor them in that. Honor them. Encourage them. Pray for them. Might be your wife or your husband. Yo, that was a mic drop moment. Okay. Two more points. Look for the opportunity to act. Look for the opportunity to act. Quickly, 1 John 3, verse 16 to 18. It speaks about loving one another. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. No, sorry, it was 1 John 3, verse 16. Not John 3, verse 16. So 1 John 3, verse 16 it speaks about we love one another. And then it goes on and it says, those of you who's got earthly possessions, you've got earthly stuff. We fall among those who have got earthly stuff. And I just say, we are in that top 5% of the richest people in the world. If you've got a car, you've got a home, you've got water flowing out of a tap into your, you are rich. 
You've got earthly possessions. That's us. Okay. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for other brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods, earthly possessions, the world's goods, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and or talk, but in deed and truth. Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. They sold their possessions and gave to anyone in need. Look for moments to act. Because it's great to say, hey, I love you, bro. I love you. I hope he's not needing food. I love you so much. You are amazing. Cheers. Is that real love? It's words. It means nothing. It's a symbol. It's a gong. It's gone. But what do you need? Can I help? Do I sell my second surfboard so that you can buy something to eat? What's in your fridge is mine. What's in my fridge is yours. We say these things. We say these things. But do we live them? Look for moments to act. And lastly, how? If you look at Romans 1 verse 12, this whole scripture starts by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God, I implore you, I beg, live a life worthy of God. It's by God's mercy that we are here. It's by God's mercy that he loves us, that we are his, and we have what we have. By God's mercies, we can love one another, honor one another, give ourselves to one another, serve, go low. Uncle Will used to say this. He said, if we want what they had, looking at the old church in the, in the New Testament, if we want what they had, people getting together daily, breaking bread in our homes, living in such a way that people are being saved daily. If we want what they had, we've got to know what they knew. What did they know? It's this stuff. They loved one another with a brotherly affection and an honor that, that I don't think we understand in our Western culture. And we've got to do what they did. We've got to do it. God help us. Hey? And I really believe as we do this, as us as a community, we're going to see multitudes coming to the kingdom of God. So I'm closing there, I'm landing. Sorry, it is time. But I do want to give us an opportunity just to respond. Because I don't know, when I, when I went through this, I was like, Lord, help me. Help me to love one another, not just in, in my words and what I do, but how do I really love my brothers and my sisters? How do I go low and they be raised up? And it's only by God's grace and God's mercy that we can do it, by taking him on. Before I go there, let me close our eyes. Can we, uh, every eye just closed, and I don't want to rush this at all, because this is a very important, I think, moment that God wants to give every single person. You know, I, I spoke about how if we don't love others, we abide in death. And before anybody gets saved, we are in death. We are in the, the kingdom of darkness. 
But God's come and he pulls us out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Maybe as I've been speaking today, you've been going, yes, I'm not even in that kingdom. I'm not in that kind of family. I've actually never given my heart to the Lord in such a way that I go, I'm his, I'm his son and his daughter. I know that I'm not getting what I deserve, the fiery pit of hell. And I want to this morning respond to you, Lord Jesus. I need you, God. You know that God sent his only son, Jesus, like I said earlier? He sent him down to earth to die on a cross for our sins. Every little thing that we have done, he's taken upon himself. And he said, I will be your advocate. I will take it upon me so that it's not on you anymore. I will die on that cross for you. And he did. He died on the cross for your sins so that he can take everything on him. him. And this morning, he's saying to you, all you've got to do is just accept that and say, God, I accept you. I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and as my Savior, the one that saves me, the one that pulls me out of that fiery pit, God. And I want to give you my heart. And every eye is closed. And maybe you've done this in the past. Maybe you have already once responded to the gospel. But you're going like, I'm actually not living that way. I actually don't know today. If I walk out here and a bus rides over my body, I don't know where I'm going to go. Who cares what people think? God loves you. And he died on the cross for you. And I want to encourage you, while every eye is closed, if you are not sure about where you're going when you die today jesus says you can be sure all you need to do is respond to him and say lord that's me can someone please pray for me can someone please pray with me as i give my heart completely to him because i do not want to go to hell and if that is you just every eye is closed and i really want to say close every eye It's a holy moment. If that is you, Jesus is saying, I love you. I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I knew you. And today is your day. If you want to respond, do you want to just raise your hand just so I can see it? Just say, that's me. Can someone pray for me? With me? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you, Lord. There's a battle going on over someone's head, mind at the moment. Just sense it. If you're a Christian, just pray in tongues. I do sense there's a battle going over someone's mind. The enemy comes in and he wants to lie. He wants to come and steal and kill and destroy things over your life. But today God's going, no, you are mine and I'm yours. Is there anybody else? Amen. Thanks. If you lift your hand, connect with you afterwards. I just want to pray with you. I don't want to bring you out front, but I do want to pray for you afterwards. That will be great. Then for us as a congregation, as a church, if you, you listen to this, you go, oh, Lord Jesus, help me love with a brotherly affection. Help me to honor any, everybody above myself. Help me to serve God. Help me to to be like you more and more and more. 
If that's you, and I'd love to pray for us, would you stand with? If you want to respond to the Lord.